Has your brand been struggling to reach the correct audience when advertising? We've all done it. Maximize privacy filters on our phones and apps because who wants to be talking about something for it to pop up mysteriously later? It's weird and everyone hates it. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. You know how much we love Zencaster, and their new creator network is no different. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's creator network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's creator network is a perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators, like us. So stop wasting advertising dollars on ad campaigns that aren't targeting your niche audience. Let Zencaster's Creator Network match you with podcasters who can ensure that your target audience is being reached. We love Zencaster so much, and being able to see ad opportunities come across our dashboard with a percentage match to see how much our audiences line up is game-changing. It helps creators really get behind brands that mean something to them. And with a podcast show for just about anything you can think of, your brand is no exception. Are you interested in sponsoring this show or podcast ads for your business? Go to zen.ai slash gruesome and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Connie along with my favorite Gemini in the world, Meg. Today, she's going to talk to us about the Mark and John catfish stabbing. I know it's kind of a mouthful. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, what do you call this episode? Uh, This is what I'm calling it. It This is a lot is what it is. It'll make sense by the end. Um. And it has in the name what it is, because I wanted to talk about catfishing. It just seems like almost Halloween seems appropriate to talk about pretending to be someone you are. Man, I've been catfished so hard before. It's like embarrassing to talk about it. We could talk. We did talk about it once, though. You told me about that one time. (laughs) You got catfished and uh, they said that they were Pete Wentz. (laughs) And I just got an unsolicited dick pic. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, Pete Wentz sent me a picture of his penis. And I was like, wait. (laughs) Why would he send me? Thirty-three year old me is like, it's still so funny that I was that naive. You know what? I think after today's episode, you will be proud that you were only that naive. I yeah. guarantee you. But we constantly hear about people getting catfished, just like from you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a you whole show about it. Yeah, the Monty Teo scandal got that whole Netflix special that was pretty much just about him getting catfished. And I will preface this case. Um, The reason it's called the Mark and John is because the names in this case are redacted because this case is about minors. So they call them Mark and John in all the media. I know one of their real names, but I'm going to just continue to use the Mark and John. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, so let's talk about this cautionary tale of chat rooms in the early 2000s. Oof. This is like, it's Shakespearean, I promise. Mark's parents purchased him his own computer in 2002. He was an only child. He was well taken care of by his working class parents. A computer was going to be great for him because it was going to allow him to do his schoolwork. But like most kids in the early 2000s who had a computer at their disposal in their bedroom, Mark found chat rooms very quickly. I myself did a lot of things on the internet in the early 2000s that were incredibly stupid. But I think when we talk about cautionary tales like this then to now, we didn't know what we know now about what was happening And we're not talking like DMs or IMs, which we also did stupid things in, but chat rooms were just full of a bunch of strangers who usually shared a common interest. The only thing that could confirm who they were was if someone asked them ASL, age, Mm -hmm. sex, location. 
And in the chat room, you could be anyone. You could be any age, any sex, any location. You could have any name. And it made it dangerous for everyone, but especially for children and teenagers. Yep. Mark, like many teenagers at the time, would meet a person in a chat room and then decide to continue talking. And you could exchange information and email each other, or you could go to an instant messenger, um, or you could whisper in a chat room, which was just like a little pop-up box. Like a private room, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, Mark signed into MSN chat hoping to talk to girls. He was a 16-year-old boy. That's what he wanted to do. It was easier to talk to girls from behind a screen. So he would sit in his Manchester local teens chat room and wait for girl usernames to pop in. In February of 2003, Rachel underscore West popped into the room as a 16F Manchester. She uploaded a picture of herself. She was a pretty teen girl with long blonde hair and she and Mark began whispering, just like sliding into each other's DMs. I don't know why when you said that, I just thought of the Ying Yang Twins song. <laughs> That's exactly what I want you to picture. <laughs> the Ying Yang Twins. Um, but pretty soon after they started talking, they would just sit, he would sit at his computer and just wait for her name to pop up in the chat room. After an couple of days another new name entered the chat room john john was rachel's little brother john was 14 he and rachel were stepbrother and sister um, mark was really eager to befriend john because he was falling in love with his sister they were staying up late chatting into the night about their feelings and sometimes getting a little heated he was eager to meet Rachel in real life, but her schedule was just so busy. They couldn't find a time that worked for them both. But he was willing to skip school. He was like, I just want to meet this girl. John and Mark, however, began talking and playing games together. John had a webcam. Rachel didn't. And the boys became pretty good friends. They talked about movies and football and games and all of the other gross stuff that teenage boys talk about. Mark and John and Rachel spent hours in the Manchester teens chat room talking with the group and in whispers or over emails. Mark eventually told Rachel that he loved her and she mm -hmm. returned his sentiment. Still, they had never met in person and it just seemed like it wasn't lining up. John and Mark, however, were hanging out regularly. John didn't get along well with his stepfather, but he was an excellent student who got incredibly high marks. Unfortunately, in the real world, he was bullied constantly. Kids called him a terrorist. He had kind of a small stature, and a lot of his friends were girls, which led to those same bullies calling him gay. It was quite a difference to Mark, who was a very large, brawny 16-year-old. But... They became best friends, and it turned out that they only lived a couple of miles apart. In April of 2003, a new user popped into the Manchester teens chat, Kevin. Kevin said that he was gay. He wrote only in pink font, and he wanted everyone to know that he was a real proper stalker and that he had a foot fetish. John what the? And wait, what? <laughs> yep. Kevin showed up in the chat room. He's a stalker. He has a foot fetish. He's flamboyant. Oh. Yes, he when he wanted everyone to know. John and Rachel both told Mark that Kevin had started to threaten them. And Kevin allegedly had followed John home and sent proof in the mail that he was stalking him. Mark tried to reassure his friends that Mark probably or that he wasn't dangerous. He was just being stupid. But Kevin started sending Mark details of his life that only John or Rachel could have known. Kevin demanded that Mark show him his feet and masturbate on camera for him or he would kidnap and rape Rachel. What the so, fuck? Yeah. Dropping it eight minutes in. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh. Kevin said, hey, you need to show me your feet and masturbate on camera for me or I'm going to kidnap and rape your girlfriend. So he messaged her 
and he told her what he he was willing to do it just to ensure her safety and she was like you don't have to do that for me but he told her he loved her and he would do whatever he needed to so mark went on camera and did exactly what kevin had demanded of him afterward rachel finally agreed to meet up with him they set a meeting place and nervously mark went to meet the girl that he was in love with except she didn't show when he returned home after waiting for hours he found no messages no emails nothing from her to explain what had happened Instead, what he found shocked and horrified him. Kevin had emailed him and recounted the details of her gang rape and murder at the hands of he and his friends. The email read that they had all kicked her in the stomach, they had put her head under the water, her blood had stained Kevin's sheets. Mark hadn't been there for her, even though she screamed for him. Mark felt like he couldn't go to police or tell his parents. Instead, he spiraled into a depressive episode. His grades slipped. He didn't want to watch sports with his dad like he normally did. He felt responsible for Rachel's death. And John was grieving too. The two spoke over webcam occasionally, but Mark was making less and less contact with John. And when John was like, man, I'm really worried about you, he just brushed it off saying not to be worried that he was just tired. The situation did not turn Mark away from the chat rooms, though. He continued to frequent them, specifically the Manchester teens room, and began once again talking to girls, striking up a friendship with a girl named... Wait a second. Okay. Mm-hmm. I need to... I need to, like, understand. This... He got an email... He got an email. He The email said that Kevin killed his girlfriend. He didn't go to the police. He didn't tell his parents. He didn't go to a funeral. Nope. Nothing. And now nope. he's just like talking to other girls again. Like he's just, he was depressed. He was sad. And then he struck up this friendship with a girl named Lindsay East in the chat room. Okay. And it they started talking as she was consoling him about the loss of his girlfriend. She was a little older than Mark, but they bonded. She helped him work through the murder of his girlfriend. And after speaking for a while, Lindsay revealed that she was a junior secret service agent working for the British intelligence service. Oh, I've heard that before. That's so funny when I was telling my husband about this case earlier. He's like, oh, not the Secret Service. <laughs> Why have him and I both been d- duped with the same? <laughs> this must be a common thing. Like, I don't mean to laugh because I'm sure what's going to happen is like awful. But I have been, been I have been told like, I can't, we can't talk. We can't meet. Like, I'm <laughs> the Secret, secret Service. <laughs> I feel like I ran into that as well. Like I'm with, I'm with, <laughs> it's so absurd. Um, <laughs> Lindsay told Mark, you can't tell anyone I'm a junior secret service agent. That's definitely a thing. Um, and Mark kept her secret. He didn't tell anyone. Aww. As they continued to chat, Lindsay revealed that she was falling in love with Mark. So he began to perform sex acts on his webcam for her. They told each other that they were falling in love with one another a month after his girlfriend had died. And Lindsay decided to tell him, because they were in love, the true reason that she had joined the chat room. His friend, John was under the protection of the government because John had been Kevin McGregor's target. Lindsay believed that Mark could help her track down the stalker that had murdered his girlfriend, Rachel. Are we, like, talking about a real case? Because this kind of seems like something I'd read in a comic book. It sounds absurd. And we are talking about a very real case. And we're going to get there. But it does sound like an episode of, like, Gossip Girl, doesn't it? hmm hmm Yeah. hmm 
Unfortunately for Mark, his heart was about to be broken again because on April 23rd, 2003, Lindsay was killed on a dangerous mission. How did Mark learn that? Because Lindsay had sent him a post-dated email that he should receive in the event she was killed in the line of duty. And the email dictated that Mark, if Mark had received it, it meant she was dead and she had failed her mission to protect John, but that Mark should continue to protect him. Two girlfriends died in less than a few months it, of each other. In it's like a horrific. month, yeah. Yeah, in horrific, extraordinary circumstances. And Mark's just holding that inside. He doesn't tell anybody that I, I have no words. Well, you really won't have any words because a week later, Rachel reappeared in the chat room and Mark was ecstatic, but her story confused him. She claimed that she had been held captive while she was in a coma and had given birth to Mark's baby. They had never met in real life. <laughs> nope. Rachel had only been missing a few weeks. They had never met in real life. There's no way that that was true. And so even though Mark, bless his heart, was full in on these online relationships, he was like, I don't know what you're saying. And then Rachel disappeared again. He was so confused. He had been sworn to secrecy by Lindsay, so he couldn't even tell his best friend John about the troubling things he had learned. And if you're like, Mark, that's enough internet for you. Surely yeah. this is... Get off the internet, bro. Pick up a book. Like, this is the thing that's going to make you run screaming out of chat rooms, two girlfriends dead in a couple of weeks. No, Mark did not leave the Manchester teens chat room. And that was how he met the next character in this fucked up Shakespearean novel, Janet Dobinson. Janet only spoke in caps lock. So she was yelling. She told everyone that she was in her 40s and still married. She didn't have time for teen chit-chat, but she made it clear that she was still super hot. <laughs> Janet? I'm so mad, but I have a husband, and I have a kid, and I'm an adult, but I am so hot. <laughs> I'm super I'm hot. so hot. It's and like the, uh, on Dude, Where's My Car? Like, we are super hot. <laughs> super hot. <laughs> exactly like that oh my god what the hell are you doing to me tonight megan i feel like i'm <laughs> be laughing it is i will tell you that this case made history and i'll tell you why it made history in a little bit janet because it was too outrageous to believe because i get yes that. that's where i yes. am exactly why honestly janet needed a special person so Janet in her 40s in the Manchester teens chat room needed a special person. And that special person was Mark. Was Mark. Yes. Janet told Mark that she was a senior member of the British Secret Service. <laughs> and her cover job was an estate agent. So she had the freedom to travel. I am so sorry. I'm going to say this and this not knowing what is about to happen. And if this is, if he is the victim, then I apologize. But this guy is stupid as shit. Like, I understand you're 16. I get it. I was, I mean, I got catfished by Pete Wentz at 16. <laughs> you understand. Yes. But like, how many secret agents do you think are hanging out in this specific chat room? Yeah. There is no way. Like, I am try not trying to be ugly, but I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, pretty much everything I read about this said in the nicest way possible, like, Mark, you're dumb. Like, he was not a smart young man. No. And, but, you know, maybe he was just naive. Mark had heard a lot of stuff in the last couple of months, right? And he yeah. was like, man, another secret agent? So weird. But he was still intrigued. And he wanted to hear what Janet had to say. She explained that MI6 had been testing Mark to ensure that he could keep a secret. And now that they had seen his contact with Lindsay, they were certain he could. 
the UK's secret intelligence service wanted to recruit him and he was going to be paid millions of pounds. They spoke for this. (laughs) They spoke about this for hours until Mark was thoroughly convinced he was going to have to go to London to meet with many important people, including the Queen and the Prime Minister, so that he could be briefed on his mission. There would also be a brief before the brief about how to address and meet the Queen, and he was excited. But he was also concerned because his mom didn't like him missing school. And Janet assured Mark that his mother would be informed of his progress and that he would be allowed two phone calls a day in order to maintain contact with her while he was in London becoming a secret agent himself. However, there was one thing he must do before being able to join MI6. And once he proved himself, he would be given his secret agent number and a license to kill. His mission, should he choose to accept it, was to act as a bodyguard for a teenager that lived only three miles away from him, James Bell. The prime minister had allowed Janet to tell Mark why James Bell was so important. (laughs) I'm sorry, like, I see your face and, like, what I'm about to tell you is just, it keeps going. James Bell was significant to national security because James had an incredibly important code in his head. Like Jason Bourne? Yep, like Jason Bourne. At the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean was an enormous safe that held 568 billion pounds worth of gold and jewels. Only the Queen of England had the combination and the ability to open the safe. But she couldn't go to the bottom of the ocean, so she had entrusted the code to only one other person. Teenager James Bell. Was this Spy Kids? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm saying it twice tonight, guys. (laughs) Only he could walk through the door. This, Janet explained, was only half of why James was so important. More information would be revealed in time, Connie. You have to wait for it. Mark accepted the mission. After receiving the details of James's location, he was shocked to discover that James Bell was none other than his best friend, John. This would be such an easy mission because he could just make it seem like he was hanging out with his friend. Just two boys doing the most. But when John's mom found out that he was hanging out with someone from the internet, she was like, no, absolutely not. I want to meet that kid's mom. And so they did the mom meetup. I remember and the they're mom like, meetup. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, okay, your kid isn't secretly a 46-year-old man trying to lure my teenage son to his death. That's uh, where I thought the story was originally going. Yeah, honestly, same. The police also thought that. They're wrong also. The moms bonded about how their sons were addicted to the internet how they didn't know how to deal with the fact that they only left their bedroom to eat, but they were relieved that they had made these this friend in real life that they could hang out with, and maybe that meant they wouldn't be on the internet so much. They would have a little bit of freedom. Mark took his new job <laughs> as an interim secret agent very seriously. He reported all of the happenings with John back to Janet, And Janet let him know that he was at all times being observed by other Secret Service agents to ensure that his job was being done correctly. He included detail, or she included details about where he and John had been seen and what they had been doing. Janet explained that his next task was to get James Bell, aka John, out of school without raising suspicion. And as a matter of national security, Mark was to carry out a sex act on John. And Mark was like, why do I have to do that? I don't understand. But Janet told him that it had to be done, and if it wasn't, they would both lose their jobs with the Secret Service. 
he was able to get John out of school by convincing the office that he was there to take him to a dentist appointment as a favor to his mom. But John's school did call his mom and say, hey, some kid just picked up your kid to take them out of school for the day. And she was frustrated. So she was like, I'm going to look at his computer and see where he is. Normal mom stuff. She checked. And what she found was a mess of chat logs with people, but Mark among them, and also Janet Dobinson. She went to Mark's house and demanded to speak to his parents. And John's mom explained that he had been talking to this woman who said she was a secret agent and that they needed to review Mark's messages and they would find correspondence with Janet as well. And they did. And their parents sat these boys down. They're like, you guys, this is dangerous. These people aren't who they say they are online. Neither of you are allowed to speak to this woman under any circumstance. However, they're teenagers. They're not going to listen. Telling them what to do and them actually doing it are completely different things. Mm -hmm. Again, we remember that. And they were speaking to Janet shortly after their punishment. To complete his mission, John and Mark hung out, and Mark did perform oral sex on John. When he reported this back to Janet, she congratulated him on his progress and informed him that he was definitely working for the Secret Service now. Janet asked him an important question. Would he be able to kill someone close to him? just in case he might need it to be tested later on. And Mark was unsure at first, but it didn't take long for him to decide that, yeah, he could. If it really came down to it, he could kill someone close to him. This was the answer that Janet was hoping for, because she reported that James Bell had an inoperable brain tumor, and Mark's first official mission as an agent was to kill him before the tumor did. In return for this kill, he would be paid 80 million pounds, and that wasn't what Mark was expecting. He thought he would only be killing bad guys, not his best friend John. And he was still a little uncertain, but a couple of days later, John reported to Mark that he had gotten a letter from his doctor confirming that he did have a brain tumor. On June 28th, 2003, Mark was given his secret service number by Janet. He was told that spies acted without emotion, and it was important that after he stabbed James Bell, he should say, trust me, as he died. He called John, and the two agreed to meet the next day, Sunday, June 29th, to go shopping and just hang out. Pretty much all of Saturday, Mark was chatting with Janet. He was obviously unsure of how and what he should do, but he truly believed that he was working for the Secret Service and that he had a job to carry out. He had to go buy a knife, he was told to wear gloves, and then he was told to take John to a quiet place and carry out the job. Janet specifically told Mark to tell John, I love you, but this has to be done. After he had stabbed John, he was to wait for help to come, and Janet assured him that she would be one of the first ones on the scene disguised as an officer to ensure that he wasn't going to be arrested. At around 10 p.m. the night before, Janet told Mark not to wear the gloves. Instead, she told him to pull the knife out when he was done and tell police that the knife had his fingerprints on it because he had pulled it out of his friend. Janet let him know that there was an abort code, and that code was 6969, and that it could be heard from anywhere, probably over some kind of speaker, but if he heard that code, he should stop the plan to kill John immediately. The next day, the boys met at Trafford Center. Mark withdrew some cash and told John that he needed to buy a kitchen knife. John helped him pick out a six-inch knife. They shopped around the area, and Mark was clearly nervous but trying to brush it off. They had lunch at McDonald's, and as it got later, he realized that he was being watched, and eventually he was going to have to complete this mission. He thought maybe he would take John out into the woods, but if then if they called out the abort code, he would miss it. So 
they started to walk back and an empty alley presented the opportunity that he had been waiting for. Once in the alley, Mark pulled out the knife and told John, I love you, bro, before stabbing the knife directly into John's chest. John screamed and told him to call an ambulance. He said that he had killed him. And at this moment, Mark realized that he was probably going to have to stab him again. So he pulled him into a break and embrace and stabbed him two more times, piercing both his kidney and his liver. Then he sat and waited for Janet Dobinson to come save him. But like Lindsay, like Rachel, Janet did not come. She had told him to call an ambulance, but not right away. So he thought maybe she was waiting for him to call an ambulance and she could hear that call go through. He stepped out of the alley, dialed emergency services, and told his told them that his mate had been stabbed and gave them the location. John was alive, but he was dying. Police arrived, and Mark told them that a man wearing all black and a baseball cap had attacked his friend, and that was reported to the media. The news reported that there had been an unprovoked street attack that left a teenage boy near death. People were reporting sightings of this man that matched that description in that area nearby. John was able to get to the hospital. He died twice on the operating table, but doctors were able to stabilize him and he was put in the ICU at a local Manchester hospital. When police went back to find evidence, they reviewed CCTV footage from that day and revealed that Mark and John, and only Mark and John, had walked into the alley until 25 minutes later when Mark reemerged to dial 999. Mark was arrested and charged with attempted murder. He was refused bail, and he was placed in a juvenile detention facility. He denied stabbing John, and when John was stable enough to report the stabbing, he also denied that Mark had stabbed him. Until police showed him that footage, he maintained that Mark did not stab him, but after he saw it, he broke down and admitted that, yes, Mark had stabbed him. Mark was interviewed again and told the police that he had heard voices telling him to do it. He was concerned that if I tell them about Janet and the Secret Service, he's not going to get he's not going to be able to keep his job or get the money. And he was certain that Janet was going to arrive any day and save him and he was going to be released. Once again, Janet never arrived, but it took an entire month before Mark would finally reveal the story to police oh after my god he just waited for this person to show up and save him you know after spilling all those details his computer was confiscated and reviewed in hopes that they could find who is who's janet dobinson what is she doing a criminal analyst, Sally Hogg, went through more than 100 gigs of data from the Manchester team's chat room from Mark's hard drive. Mark had spoken with 193 separate email addresses, and initially, while trying to unravel the story, investigators thought that it was a ring of pedophiles that were trying to groom teens, manipulate teen boys into doing acts on camera. Police even arrested a woman with the same name because she owned one of those 193 email accounts, but her email had been hacked and she was totally innocent. Then they noticed one typo that five of the six people that Mark was regularly talking to had made. And it was the word maybe spelled M-Y-B-Y-E, which it's like the way someone speaks, like they would say maybe. Or my boy? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's got a British accent, though. Um, and in the investigator's mind, that really clinched that, like, all of these people that Mark had been talking to were one person. Mm -hmm. But they didn't think that initially. John's computer was confiscated and an alarming discovery was made. Three months after the arrest and detention of Mark, Janet Dobinson's username and password had been used to log into her account on John's laptop in his house. <gasps> Shut up! 
after reviewing every computer in John's house, they realized the last time Janet Dobinson had spoken to Mark was from John's house while John himself was home alone. When police confronted him, he was absolutely relieved. He was Janet Dobinson and Lindsay East and Rachel West. Creating these personas had made him feel good and powerful. After John had started talking to Mark, he realized that Mark wanted to talk to girls. So he invented Rachel. And by making himself Rachel's brother, he found that Mark actually wanted to be friends with him. But he couldn't tell Mark that he had tricked him into masturbating on camera and showing him his feet because he was also Kevin. Oh, Mark liked Rachel more than he liked John. So John killed Rachel off using Kevin. But he needed to create a new female character to make sure that Mark stayed in the chat room and that John could still talk to him. But he lived in this constant fear that Mark was going to catch on. He was frequently shocked that Mark believed some of the stuff he said. But even investigators said that each character and each style of conversation was completely different. And they really believed that all of these people had been completely different people. But... The deceit took a toll on John and he became suicidal. So he planned his own murder and manipulated his friend into doing it. John was arrested and charged as well for inciting his own murder, which is the first and only time that that charge has ever gone down in England's history. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. A lot of us are still trying to process the last couple of years. We spent almost a year completely isolated from the outside world, and I don't know about you, but for me, it took a huge toll on my mental health. I was so hung up on the problems that I didn't think there was a solution at all to what was going on in my brain. My therapist has been, as cliche as it sounds, the light at the end of a tunnel for me. Now I feel like my brain is more problem-solving, less problem-dwelling. I feel less stressed, less anxious, and knowing I can message my therapist whenever I am feeling overwhelmed has been everything. If you are thinking about therapy but are unsure where to start, there is no better time to check out BetterHelp. It is convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You take a survey, identify your needs, and then you get matched with a therapist almost immediately. Best part? If you do a session and you're not vibing with your therapist, you can switch any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gruesome today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash gruesome. Holy shit. did not (laughs) see that coming. I I honestly thought... So I started thinking like John was all these people, right? Like that was pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. I thought Mark was going to find out and like stab him. Like get mad. Yeah. Nope. He had no idea. Um, Or like John was going to be like eventually telling him who he was and then like a rage murder. like Like Mark being like, no, I'm not into that. And then. John, like, no. Mark had been in juvenile detention for eight months, and he still believed that maybe he might be rescued. It wasn't until John was arrested after eight months that he learned that all of those people had been created specifically to manipulate him. So he was just sitting there still thinking that all of these things had happened, all these people were real, two of his online girlfriends had been murdered or killed, until they finally arrested John. On May 28, 2004, they went to trial. Mark pleaded guilty to attempted murder, and John pleaded guilty to incitement to murder himself. And the judge's quote when passing his judgment was, skilled writers of fiction would struggle to conjure up a plot such as this. 
It's staggering to be dealing with a case that arises out of a 14-year-old boy's invention of false personalities, false relationships. Uh, they got probation. They didn't get any jail time because they, the judge was pretty sure that they were not going to reoffend. Yeah. And they were not allowed to speak to each other ever again. And they were not allowed to go into chat rooms for three years. Not that Mark would ever want to do that again. I would hope that he learned his lessons there. Uh, and they're both out in the world now. Just oh my not allowed God. to talk to each other. Well, not even like obviously John was not comfortable with himself. Mm -hmm. But one, like you're batshit for tricking your friend into killing you. And two, like you sexually assaulted him. Absolutely. And his mom came to his trial and he had started seeing a psychologist and he had made new friends and she came and she was like, he's seeing a psychiatrist. He has a girlfriend. And everyone was just like, oh, okay. John is absolutely the person at fault here. Oh, and honestly, 100%. it's disgusting how much he manipulated Mark. Like, yeah, despite, was, yeah, despite how naive gullible. Mark may have been and gullible. Yeah. John was still doing like terrible things for his own like pleasure, honestly. Yeah. And if, if that would, if that would have been a grown man doing these things to like, tricking him into masturbating on camera, showing him his feet. Like that person would be in prison for that. Yeah, exactly. And his, um, it's because like even investigators were fooled and they thought like, oh, we thought it was a bunch of different people. Like people were calling him a genius. They were saying he was real so clever and like so creative and that he was probably going to have like a really good, he was going to be a really successful adult be based on this like fiction that he had created and how it was so believable. And I'm like, it wasn't believable one. There's not a giant safe filled with $600 billion worth of golden jewels. Like that's not even that creative. I don't, I honestly think John should have gotten in a bit more trouble than he did. Not two years of probation and yeah, don't talk to him ever again. Yeah. That's like, okay, you're grounded. You guys aren't friends anymore. Like, let's forget about the fact that you are a sexual predator, the fact that you made rape fantasy stories, the fact that you manipulated him into murdering you. Literally to stab. And like he planned it all the way down and to, to like what he was going to say to him as he was dying, like tell Tell him you love him, but this has to be done. Tell him, trust me. Like he made him say specifics. And I him. would not be surprised if he does not do something in the future. I'm with you. This case inspired um, an opera, a theater production, um, a Vanity Fair article that inspired a movie. Eileen Ormsby did a compilation of these stalker story, and this story is in that book. Growing up, the only money advice that I ever received was, cash is king, pay your bills, you'll build your credit. It wasn't until I was an adult that I walked into a car dealership and tried to buy a car with absolutely no credit, and then had to leave still carless that I figured maybe I should learn what my credit score was and how it worked. Imagine my surprise when I realized that there are actually more than 28 different FICO scores. Extra credit from credit.com is great because it gives you access to 28 of those scores and you see what the lenders see. You can report your rent to the credit bureaus. You can report your utilities to TransUnion to help build your credit. There is the added perk of getting cash rewards on select personalized offers as well. I would never want anyone else to be in a situation where they realized that the rent that they had been paying for five years wasn't going toward their credit or that they didn't have any credit so their options were minimal for buying a car, a house, or anything that they needed. To sign up for extra credit, go to credit.com gruesome and get started there. To sweeten the deal, you get the first seven days absolutely free 
It is $24.99 a month plus tax after the free trial, but you can cancel anytime. Go check out Extra Credit today and start working on your credit goals. Um, this is yeah. wild. Like, Isn't absolutely- it weird? I, it's, I told you it's very Shakespearean. It's like, how? It's so extreme. Just so extreme. And I just, it's another reminder that teenagers are not to be trusted. <laughs> most of them are fine i don't oh my god i feel her i feel awful for mark i mean yeah excuse me um i feel awful for mark because yeah he is a dumbass for believing that like any of this stuff it's just so far-fetched yeah you're like at some point you'd think after the first one you'd be like i'm done for a while maybe not maybe this isn't for me i shouldn't say dumbass because he is a victim in this but like some of it is like, bro, come on. Come And also, on. if you truly believed that, like, this girl that you loved had just been murdered and you didn't go and tell one person, you weren't like, dad, can I talk to you about something? Yeah, especially with if he's as close to his parents. Yeah. And, and it was an only point, child. What point do these parents take away these kids' computers? So I guess they did take John's computer away, but when he was home alone, he would go and like put it back together and Been like there. yeah. Yeah. Like he knew more about computers than his parents did at that time, which is like we knew more about computers than our mm-hmm. parents did when we were t- but now like I don't think my kid'll probably be more like up to date on what's cool, but she's not going to like have the level of knowledge about like how to like go through a computer oh, as a my, teenager. My yeah, middle work code programs. So mm-hmm. he'll be the one that will be taking shit apart. <laughs> but it's like together. it was a different time. Mm-hmm. We did it. <laughs> the Secret Service thing just really cracks me up. And that's why I kept laughing about it. Because I'm just like, dude, why did everyone say that they were in the Secret Service? <laughs> It's like, how many people do you think are in the Secret Service, bro? Like, how many of them are trying to talk to you? I don't know how um, how much this case directly correlated to this, but in late 2003, after this happened, MSN debanded their chat rooms or disbanded their chat rooms completely because of the increasing levels of inappropriate communication. Oh, and- I remember being like 12, 13. I would get on there and say I was like a 16 or 17 year old girl. I was like in yep. New York City or like, and it was. I did it too. I remember doing it. And I remember this one specific time where I was like 17, female. Cal- I always said California because like that's where I had moved to Indiana from. Yeah. I was like 17, female, California. And then I was private chatting with this person and they were like 13 male and I don't remember where but I was like oh I have to tell you I'm actually 13 too and I was just like is that person actually 13 because I was I was lying but I was saying I was 17 were they telling the truth like it was like this whole debacle in my tiny little mind it's like and you know what's crazy we had our parents didn't know the dangers of the internet because it was so new to them and they didn't have the internet growing up. But even these parents were saying like, hey, you don't know who's talking to you. Yeah. But like, it was her kid that was doing it. Like her kid was the one. Imagine being that parent. Oh man, I would be so pissed. I would be furious. I... I just think that like our kids do not have as much unrestricted access to the computer. Oh, absolutely not. I was on, I mean, I was 12 and I was in chat rooms, like just doing whatever I wanted. My mom being like, all right, it's time to get off the computer. You know, that's back when they had like the AOL disc, like you would get the trials or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And And then they would go to bed and I would get up and get back on the computer and just keep talking to whoever. Yep. And And when I would hear. Run back to bed. My son has a cell phone. He has like a smartwatch and he has a computer in his room. But we have so many parental controls on all of the things that if he even tried to be inappropriate like this, like I would know immediately. And then he would never have a computer again. 
right? It wouldn't even be like a, you can't have this in the house. It would be like, this is gone. Yep. I sold it. Yeah. We've already told that one on the street. We have, um, like I had talked about it before, like this bark app that like when he first got his phone, because it does, it like tells you if they're saying inappropriate things, if they're texting and it's like, you know, it's, it's not giving me full access to his text messages. He knows I have full access to his text messages. He knows like at this point in his life, there's really no privacy when it comes to things to keep him safe. But if he was talking about like this, like my, I would get an alert on my phone, you know, like it's, and he knows, like we had the conversation when he first got, when he first got all this stuff. I was like, there are no warnings. Like this is your warning. <laughs> like we're not looking up inappropriate things. We're not being disgusting with your friends. We're not doing any of that. And if you do, then we just, you'll never have, like, that will be the end of it. Like you will lose your phone until you drive. And then it'll only be like while you're in a car driving. <laughs> and that's it. It's honestly, think- I'm glad they disbanded chat rooms because they're not safe for anyone oh, really. And like that's everyone. I feel the same way. And people may come at me. I feel the same way about grown men who talk to kids in video games yeah or grown adults in general not just men i'm not going to be sexist and say like just men but like even grown women who are talking to kids in video games like it's it's weird like why Mm -hmm. like why my like my husband his friends will play like Fortnite and stuff with the boys like when my husband's playing and they won't even have their like a couple of them will talk to my oldest but they're not like talking to my middle son Mm -hmm. because it's like it's kind of weird. I know. I uh, we play Roblox with my oldest daughter, and when so when she's on there, normally one of us are also in there. And like, I have seen like they're not allowed. She's not allowed to use the chat feature. Like it has to stay quiet. Yeah, that's how. Playing. That's how yeah. our son is. Yeah. But like, I have had it open, and I have seen the stuff that like comes through there, and I'm like, nope, that's not a safe person. And I'm like, well, new level, let's go. Like, and just get out of there but if i wasn't playing with her like i wouldn't that's, see that stuff that's why we don't like that's why we didn't do among us for the longest time with our middle son because you have to chat on that like essentially and yeah. we we're like you don't know we're not doing this like this is stranger danger so now he can only play with it, like if like my husband's playing with them or like my oldest is playing with them because we have to like we have and this isn't even like counting our daughter like we have to just like completely different personalities like my oldest would not be the kid to get like manipulated like this like he wouldn't he would not be that naive my middle son will believe anything you tell him now (laughs) i could be like hey we're moving tomorrow i just got a job at the international space station and he'd be like okay like i do human research (laughs) let's go (laughs) just what i've always wanted <laughs> that's her this is just awful and it honestly is kind of scary like i i'm with you i don't think john should have gotten off that easy like this is a manipulative mastermind monster that did this and he's 14 like and yeah. john where mark was 16 so like there was some age difference there but still like the fact that a 14 year old is i don't know capable you, uh, of that you are at 14 you are self-centered but you are still aware when you are doing something wrong and obviously like that took a toll on him and he did feel like he needed to end his life because of it which i wish that wasn't the case but it's just like you also let it go that far like he continued to do that yeah you could have stopped way before he was performing oral sex on you mm-hmm because that's traumatized. Let's take away the fact that like Mark thought he was doing what he was supposed to by killing his friend with this in- inoperable brain tumor. But you could have stopped it because that's traumatizing. The sexual aspect of it, traumatizing. Like everything on this is way more traumatizing for Mark than it is for John. Mm-hmm. And they tried to argue that like there's no way that Mark could have not thought it was real like there's no way that he would would have believed all of this over and over and over and not ever told anyone and i'm like he's an only child obviously like he's i was like yep 
absolutely he believed it. Why would you sit in jail for a month just not telling anyone because you think like the Secret Service is going to come bail you out and give you $80 million? He doesn't have siblings. He obviously doesn't have like a lot of close friends like outside of like these chat rooms. Mm -hmm. Who was he going to tell besides his parents? You know, like he should have called the the shame. I mean, I've. I would have felt embarrassed. I would have felt shame. Like, mm-hmm. I would not have wanted to... I wouldn't have wanted to talk about it. Nope. I don't think most people would. No. I only talk about, like, my things now because it's, like, funny as an adult to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> this happened. Exactly. And I hope... I mean, I don't think that that's probably true. I hope that they can... look. He can look back on it and be like, wow, what a time. But I'm sure... No, he's like he's gonna affect him for his. He's honestly so lucky that Mark didn't kill. Like Mark is so lucky he didn't kill John, because it wouldn't have been probation. It would have been murder, and then you know, Mm -hmm. and they honestly probably wouldn't have found out if he had actually killed him. I guess the one he stabbed him in the chest, it wasn't that deep, and it was the ones that he pushed into like his kidney and liver that were the ones killing him oof god well on that note uh we another uh, i i don't even have words you can't even talk <laughs> i honestly can't even believe this case i've never heard of it and it's like mind-blowing but for our if you are not a subscriber to our patreon you guys got kind of like a taste of it last week like what well, our episode like how we do those um, this month, we're doing a spooky, scary tale, which is hilarious for anyone who knows me because you know that, like, I hate being, I hate anything paranormal or spooky, but I'm going to do it. Like, I am, I'm going to do it. It's for you guys. We love you guys. This is why. So feel free to join. You get bonus episodes at, like, full bonus episodes at our $7 tier. Um, you get lots of other things. You get to vote on these cool episodes so come hang out with us on patreon we just did a discord live this weekend that was awesome for the first time we had so many people that our video cut off so that was really cool i mean it wasn't cool that our video cut off but it was cool that everyone came thank you for coming i always love interacting with you guys it's so fun it's the we have the greatest listeners and i will physically fight anyone who told us different and i'll stand behind her rooting her on i'll be like get them yeah we have some, as of today, some very big things coming for Gruesome Podcast that you guys will have to stay tuned for, but it is awesome and we're super we're excited. excited. When we yeah. get more details, we'll be able to tell you guys a little bit more, but you got anything else tonight, Meg? You'll just hang out. Um, no, I want to hear about how you lost it. Bingo, though. Oh, man. Fuck bingo. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to... It's called purse bingo. It was like you play bingo for these purses. First, I thought they were like designer purses. They were. They were. I mean, they were nice purses. I'm not gonna like discredit that. But I go thinking not it's designer like, though. Ugh. I thought it was gonna <laughs> be like a one card thing. It was 20 games. There were nine cards on each sheet. I had like so much difficulty trying to like even keep up because these women's these women were intense. They're professional bingo players. Professional. I didn't win anything. There was this like butterfly bag at the front and like one of my friends and I were there and I went with my mother-in-law who part of the reason like in the past few weeks, like things have been kind of crazy. She had to have like emergency neck surgery. So she's in like a neck brace and it's, she's the cutest woman in the entire world, but she's in this neck brace trying to play bingo because she's awesome. And I asked her to go with me and race ain't going to stop her from the bingo dobbin. Uh uh-uh. uh, she didn't win anything at first either. Well, there was this like really ugly butterfly bag, and I was like, "Of course, if any of us wins, it's gonna be this purse." <laughs> and of course, they did a drawing at the end for anyone like that didn't win. It was like kind of a last chance, and she won the butterfly bag. <laughs> did your other friend win anything? No. And like the whole time, every time someone yelled bingo, I wanted to stab him in the neck. I was That's like, exactly how it feels. That is precisely like I will start a 
I don't, I bet there's a bingo murder out there somewhere we could do an episode on because I feel like that, like, especially when you only have one left and you're like, this is it. This is going to be the one. And it's I not, think- you're just like, Ooh. It was the cover all, which is like the last one. I only had three to go. And when someone yelled bingo, I just like threw my dauber down. I was like, <laughs> I'm ready to leave. You think bingo f- is like golf for women? Like you just like throw your dauber. You're like, I quit. I'm never playing this again. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, I was, it was it was a good time though, and it was for a good cause. It was like a, a local sorority thing, like no. One of our out. friends um, from our hometown always hosts a bingo thing, and I usually it's the same go thing. Up. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't go this year, but the last two times I've went, I have won something. I won. Well, I didn't win it technically the second time. My mom did, but I took it because she didn't need it. So I, I took that as like I won. I want to go. They do it. It's the same like they do like back home. Mm-hmm. So they do like in the winter or like the, the, the fall one and then a spring one. It was fun though. Like I didn't, I was a little nervous and this is how I know like my new meds are working. Cause I was like, I saw like a sign for it. I was like, oh man, I kind of want to go to that. And then I did. And then I was like, wait, who? Even my husband, I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to a purse bingo. I'm going to see if your mom wants to go. And he's like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go. Don't you think that's fun? He's like, I you feeling better? And I was like, yeah, I feel great. Like I'm going to fucking first. Yeah, I'm about to go win it, bingo. Hey, 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 bingo. (laughs) And I didn't even get like all like ragey. So it's like things are going well in the Connie household. Thanks for sticking with me. I'm going to get you a butterfly purse for Christmas. (laughs) My daughter's about to get a butterfly purse for Christmas. My mother-in-law's going to fill it with stuff for her. Makeups. Makeups. That's how my daughter says makeup. <laughs> Makeups. Hard ass. The makeups you got her is gone. She is like <laughs> whipping in the kitchen. She loves my daughter loves makeup so much. I'm happy. That's why I bought the extra bright colors. She I had it on. She had it on. And she like she's getting better with it. She's gonna be like a influencer someday. <laughs> I hope so, honestly. Me too. She do my makeup. (laughs) She do our makeup. Be like, I did my mom's makeup. How did I do? The end of it, you're just face is beat. For all of our uh, ADHD listeners, you know how you have your serial hobbyists, like how you just hyperfixate on your new hobby. So I couple weeks ago I went to a wedding and I went and got my nails done well we have recently discovered that I kind of have club nails not severe but I have very not like in the club but like no like clubbed like clubbed (laughs) like I have really (laughs) I have very unique fingers and it makes sense because I my nails don't grow well like I you know it's just the whole thing so I went and got my nails done they were like this is gonna last a month I paid like a hundred dollars I was like this is perfect well, it's been like not even two weeks and all of my nails are off my fingers and I don't do a lot of exertion, like ex- exhausting activities to where like they should be falling off. I woke up from like, wake, woke up this morning. I had two gone, like just in sleep, just floating in your sheets. So it was like 5 a.m. And I was I like, I still can't believe that cost a hundred dollars that you remember that you used to be able to get nails done for like $25. Those days are gone. Like 40 bucks, you know, like yeah. those days are gone. A set. Well, I did the gel X nails because I thought it was healthier for my nail, but I didn't mean the X meant like don't expect them to last long. <laughs> so I did what any true ADHD or would do. I hyperfixated, researched on how I could do my own nails, and then spent another hundred dollars today buying stuff to be a professional nail tech. So holler there you go. guys. I'll keep you updated on my progress. <laughs> I do. I want to see like your first time you do it. And every time you do it, I just want to see you get progressively better at doing your own nails. I think I could. I think I'm, I think I hyper fixate enough. I think I could do a pretty okay job. I mean, I'm pretty creative in that aspect. Like I can do stuff. Yeah, you are creative. I am on fall break. So my nails are painted this week, but I'll have to take them off in like four days. That's okay. I don't want to think about that right now. I'm just going to think about like, oh, look. They're not naked. I just thought like at least if I could 
put some nails on myself because I got like the light, the all the all the things. I was like, even if it lasts just a few days, I can just redo it myself, and then it's not fifteen dollars for repair because that's what it was going to cost. And I was like, well, I got ten fingers. <laughs> There's not even a soak off <laughs> so now. Another hundred dollars just to get them fixed. And I was like, that's going to be a no, 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 no. Wish me luck, I- guys. I don't know. I always want long, fancy nails, but I bite my nails, and I every time I get like, like fake nails, I bite them too. Well, I had shown the girl. I told you, I showed you guys, or I showed the girl a picture of like short, like rounded nails, because that's all I wanted. I just wanted something a little bit longer than what I had. And she told me she wasn't doing those nails on me because those weren't bad bitch nails, and she was gonna give me bad bitch nails. And then they were too long, and I panicked, and I was like, I don't even know what to do with these. Like, and then I got like a upper respiratory thing from the wedding, so I was like real snotty, and I couldn't even pick my nose with these nails. I was like knuckling <laughs> it. It was a rough, was rough knuckling it. Ugh. I uh, I got my kid some press on nails because she's also been very into nails recently. And she was walking around with their little hands out, like looking at them. And she was like, you know what I love about nails? And I was like, what? And she, and she like, clicked clacked her. She clacked them and she was like, this sound. And I was like, that is nice. That's a nice sound. Me too, girlfriend. <laughs> Me too. Clickety clack, clickety clack. The bitch is back. And then we went to bed and I was like, where are all our nails? And she was like, oh, they all fell off. I was like, Cool. Well, she can come to Coco's and I will do <laughs> Coco's nail salon. I'll do gel. I'm going to tell her. She'll be excited. She's ready. I can't so wait for I'll your next your next business bitch. <laughs> you know I will. I'll get real weird with it. <laughs> Children's nails only. Children's nails only. Because then I could be like, what did your kid do? It surely wasn't me that like why these nails are falling off. <laughs> It's your bum ass kid. Get out of here. Hell's wrong with this kid. Get them out of here. (laughs) I think on that note, we're good to go. Okay. Bye. See you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, And on Wednesdays, we're gruesome. Bye. Bye.